0: Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down
1: smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform.
0: I smoke pot, and I like it a lot. Hey.
1: Cannabisradio.com presents the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Yeah. Well, now, here's your host. Radical Russ
2: Bellville. Good day, tokers and tokettes and non toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. We made it to the middle of the week. It's hump day, and we've got plenty of news to get to you. We are closing in on marijuana election night 2016.
3: You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome back to our election night preview. And we are discussing the Denver Social Use Initiative. This has been brought forth by folks at uh, Denver Relief Consulting and other activists that uh, want to see a form of licensing that local businesses in Denver can use to allow for the adult consumption of marijuana on their premises. We're reaching out to Kayvon Kalatvari at Denver Relief Consulting to discuss the issue. Unfortunately, the number he's given me has some sort of, uh, some sort of automatic answering system that is not going to allow me to get in touch with them, I'm afraid.
4: Thank you for calling yes. Denver Relief Consulting. Thank A you. A boutique, full-service cannabis business consultant.
2: Let's just see if we can get uh, an operator on the line and get uh, Kayvon here uh, to talk to us. Reaching out to Denver Relief Consulting. Thank Consul-
4: you for calling Denver Relief Consulting. How may I help you today?
2: Hi there. This is Russ Belville from the Russ Belville Show. I'm supposed to be speaking with Kayvon Hello? for an interview. Hello? Hello? Oh, hold on. Uh, Hello, yes, uh, uh, Russ Bellville from the Russ Belville Show. I'm supposed to be speaking with uh, Kayvon Colavari for an interview. Ah, oh, this is <laughs> this is maddening. I'm so sorry, folks. We are doing this live, and uh, we will see if we can get through to uh, Denver Relief Consulting here.
4: Thank you for calling Denver get, Relief. Get uh,
2: Kayvon Colavari on the line. We'll see how this works. So many buttons to push, so many Thank ways. Thank
4: you for calling Denver Relief Consulting.
2: Hi, Russ Bellville from the Russ Bellville Show, trying to reach Kayvon for an interview. Russ? Yes. He told me to call this uh, office line. Hello? Hello? Can you-, <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Hold on. Yes, uh, Russ Belville from the Russ Belville Show, trying to reach Kayvon for an interview.
5: Yes, sir. H- Russ? Yes. Okay, hold on just one moment,
4: and I'll
2: transfer you through. Thank you. Sorry, everyone. Listening live, we uh, have to deal with these things sometimes. Looking forward to this uh, social use initiative, though. There's uh, a real need for this. Hello, Kayvon. Yes, how are you, Russ? Hi, thanks for joining us here on uh, on the show in our Marijuana Election Night preview. We uh, wanted to get you here to talk about the Denver social use initiative and maybe fill our listeners in on some of the details what would this initiative should it pass provide for the people of denver
0: sure so yeah the problem we have here in denver and which is really sweeping across the country as these rec- recreational initiatives pass is the fact that we're allowing people to purchase cannabis possess cannabis but not giving them a legal outlet to consume it That's created a conundrum here in Denver where we have public consumption tickets on the rise dramatically, 500% since legalization, predominantly uh, people of color uh, getting arrested and cited for this use. Uh, As as Nevada, California, Arizona, Massachusetts are on the ballot this fall, we're looking at this becoming a larger conundrum. So what this would do is allow any business type, if they had the support of a neighborhood registered organization, there's 192 of those in Denver, uh, to get that support and apply for a permit with XI. And licensing here in Denver to allow for responsible cannabis consumption, to get it off the streets, get it out of parks, and then really treat it similarly to alcohol. Finally,
2: I, I really love this initiative and the efforts to try to provide some sort of public uh, consumption space. Uh, the efforts so far in other states and and other places in Colorado, for that matter, have kind of focused on a bring your own bud private model where. Cannabis users are segregated from all other sorts of outlets, whereas this initiative, you know, we could have, uh, you know, uh, public use. It like you said, any type of business, a yoga studio, pizza parlor, restaurant, whatever. But realistically speaking, Kayvon, of those 190 odd uh, organizations, how many of them do you think are really going to support this? Is there neighborhood support for this idea?
0: That's a great question. I can tell you right now that I sit on the uh, Board of Directors for one uh, the Art District on Santa Fe that's very interested in pursuing this. We've had discussions with other neighborhood organizations that are in charge of territories that are looking for a differentiator. They're looking for an advantage in competing with some of the more well-funded uh, districts around Denver. So the the Colfax Strip in general here in Denver, which is has, has not got a lot of attention um, from the city as far as getting uh, redone, getting uh, some of the resources brought into them, uh, is interest. And, and the beauty of this, I think, uh, this initiative is it allows folks to baby step into this process. So if we can get even three, four, or five of these groups on board, which I think we can uh, very early on, they're going to prove that the sky is not going to fall, uh, just as we did with the moment 64, prove that this is a workable solution. And I believe it's ultimately going to create competition amongst these neighborhood organizations that are looking for differentiators in getting people to their districts. Uh, so I, I think even though we may not have a huge amount of support from these conservative organizations on the front end. It's only a matter of time before, just as we've done with Amendment 64, prove uh, that this is something that is here to stay and something that can really be a huge boon uh, for the economy of these local neighborhoods. I look at Amendment 64 when it passed here in Colorado. Uh, Denver was the only city in the 10 most populous in the entire state uh, that, that, that took advantage of allowing these licenses to exist recreationally here in Denver, and now we're seeing almost every municipality come on board with it because they understand the benefits and the need Uh, for cannabis progress and policy so uh, you know just as we've done for the last 12 years I've been in this movement here in Colorado it's all about baby steps it's all about being the bigger person uh, having these ideas and and making sure that all stakeholders are included in that conversation which is what this initiative does I have no doubt it's going to prove itself and get other people on board with it over time If uh,
2: one of the neighborhood organizations grants its approval for licensees within its uh, neighborhood, uh, is that subject to renewal? Could they then revoke that at some later time?
0: so the, the the conditions that are that are agreed upon by this prospective permit holder in these neighborhood organizations do become a condition of that permit. Uh, the beauty of the permit system uh, it 's not a license it 's not a year long license like a liquor license or there's another initiative here in Denver that failed to make the ballot was, that would have been a year long license This could be for a a two hour permit for an event uh, It could be for only certain days of the week, certain hours of the, uh, the day uh, it could be for a month or a year. It allows people to baby step in it so I, I have no doubt that we're going to uh, you would use these these first uh, to, to adopt neighborhood organizations to create best practices that make other people feel comfortable with buying into this. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's the process of, of really understanding that this is the first time this has ever been done in the history of the world. There isn't a place in the world that regulates the social use of cannabis, and Denver can really be the first advantage of that. Um, so, I you know, I have no doubt this has done really well, I think, at the forefront front of this cannabis movement thus far. Um, let the world see that this is something that's necessary and it's going to get implemented appropriately, responsibly, and with the input of all stakeholders.
2: Are there any uh, requirements or restrictions that potential license holders or permit applicants, I should say, uh, might need to know? Like uh, they have to be out of public view or have certain amount of air circulation or has to be indoors, anything like that?
0: You bet. So cannabis has been formally adopted into the Colorado Clean Indoor Air Act. So this would not technically allow for the combustion of cannabis indoors unless you're within some of these uh, these exemptions, which is like having three employees or less or something like that. Which we can do with events, we can do with all sorts of things on a on a smaller level, not maybe for the long the longer enduring uh, licenses, um, but we can allow for combustion outdoors on patios, um, uh, on rooftop decks, as long as they're outside of the public right-of-way view and outside of view of places uh, places where children congregate. There's odor requirements of you know if, if too much combustion is happening and it's uh, an annoyance to the neighbor we have odor control provisions that all cannabis businesses must comply with here in Denver um, and then ultimately it's a pilot program so if this whole entire thing fails which I, I really don't believe that it's going to um, uh, this will sunset in four years unless extended by city council or voter initiative uh, but ultimately uh, having those neighborhood organizations as a part of this allows them to create restrictions that are ultimately right for their neighborhood and and ease into this Uh, Other restrictions that they may have to be considerate of are, you know, we have tips training for alcohol. If you're serving someone uh, in a bar setting, you have to go through some third-party training and get certified to make sure that you understand what intoxication is. You understand when to cut people off. We're going to push for that same thing to exist for cannabis consumption. Uh, We also allow for the city council and excise and licensing here in Denver to implement additional provisions that don't fall outside of the initial scope. Uh, to make sure that their their concerns are heard and that we really have everybody's input on this, which is ultimately the most important thing and something Colorado has done really well in the history of cannabis progress.
2: Kayvon, uh, assuming that the relevant neighborhood organization would approve the permit, is this initiative expansive and, and flexible enough to uh, herald the return of the High Times Cannabis Cup to Denver?
0: Uh, that's a great question. Uh, the, so there are a couple things that I think uh, lead into that conversation. First of all, this initiative has pushed state legislature to, to, to create action so they actually just uh, finalized the bill proposal yesterday that's going to be introduced to the legislative session in Colorado next year that would allow for consumption tasting rooms so to say similar to what we have for breweries uh, to exist here uh, adjacent to dispensaries so I know that the cannabis cup folks are talking with a couple dispensary operators here that are working on some larger projects such as an amphitheater a cannabis museum kind of the, this cannabis property uh, it would allow for the consumption of state-level legislative initiative um, adjacent to those dispensaries. But in addition, it wouldn't preclude ours from happening. So theoretically, we could have these different uh, approved licensed permitted spaces um, for cannabis consumption. And yes, I would say that this would allow for the the return of the high times cannabis cup.
2: Fantastic news. Kayvon Kalapbari is with uh, Denver Relief Consulting, and the initiative is the Denver Neighborhood Supported Social Use Initiative. I hope I got that right. Uh, Tell them the actual details. What's the number and any sort of contact they might need to get more information.
0: Yeah, this is initiated ordinance 300, 300 this fall. In Denver. Uh, it is the neighborhood supported cannabis consumption pilot program. You can learn a whole lot more. Uh, we're obviously taking donations because we need to educate voters appropriately about what this means. Uh, you can do that and learn more about the initiative and see the list of 80 business supporters we have so far. I hope to grow that to 300 um, before this passes. Also, our political influence are on there. The Denver Democratic Party just endorsed us on Monday. Uh, so we're getting progress in traditional spheres as well. Uh, but the website is socialuse.org. And uh, that's like everything you need. If anybody wants to reach out to me and have a discussion about it personally, I'm more than happy to because this is ultimately about education and making sure that this thing that's not going away uh, is appropriately considered and uh, hopefully implemented.
2: Well, Kayvon, good luck on election night. We'll be covering it on Marijuana Election Night 2016 here on CannabisRadio.com, and I hope to report that Denver becomes the first jurisdiction in the world to allow this kind of social use. Kayvon, thanks for all you're doing, and good luck.
0: Thank you very much for having me, Russ. Take care.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Seed to Sale, Clicks to Conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network.
1: While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash.
2: Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points.
3: Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of tilt radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good plot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my
1: world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: We need to build a
1: wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too.
2: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at
3: FingerboardExtension.com. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Welcome back, everybody, and continuing our preview of Marijuana Election Night 2016, the most impactful election in marijuana reform history. We're joined on the telephone by Ryan Denham with Arkansas Compassion. And, uh, Ryan, welcome back to the show.
5: Hey, Russ. Thanks for having me on again.
2: Yeah, glad to have you here. And uh, I was telling folks earlier today in one of our segments about these... uh, shenanigans that are going on down there in arkansas you got two different initiatives on the ballot and one of them the other one is fighting to get you off the ballot can you can you give us some of your perspective on what's happening down there
5: that's right so um our campaign issue number seven we've actually been sued twice um luckily the first lawsuit was just dismissed outright yesterday Um, And that was just a simple ballot title challenge. But this second suit that we're facing right now, um, it has came to light that this is actually funded for and organized by the competing campaign. So um, they're actually trying to kick us off the ballot um, with the signatures. Um, They're trying to argue that we have technical errors versus clerical errors. And and during one of the hearings that we had last week, one of the key witnesses was actually asked how much he was paid to, to investigate our campaign. And she was actually paid $30,000 to go and find and go on a witch hunt to try to find, you know, tiny, tiny technical problems with signatures.
2: Wow. And and it's really difficult to try to understand the motivation here. I mean, I, I know some of the basics of the background that uh, issue seven's Melissa Fultz and issue six's David Couch had worked together back in 2012, had a falling out. But is this really coming down to just two people that have a personal dispute and one of them going a bit overboard? Is, is that all there is to this?
5: Well, I, I think that's probably one of the, the major reasons that, that this is happening, but, but I also think there's probably a, a big uh, a financial factor as well. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Mr. Couch has kind of set up some of his, uh, his donors to, to potentially have a, a big stake in, in this industry and how the concentration of power, um, uh, how, how his, his initiative would basically, you know, put the power of concentration into the, the cannabis. Um, industry in just a few people's hands. So, you know, it's, it's not technically a monopoly, but it's it's going to, you know, as few as four people could control the entire industry under issue six.
2: Mm. And uh, of course, issue seven with its uh, ability for a lot of the patients to be able to home grow their own cannabis medicine would uh, put a dent into some of those profits as well.
5: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so we have a, a, a hardship cultivation in our initiative Um, we, we have 56 medical conditions versus the 14 medical conditions that we have. And, you know, we made the ballot first. And so we always expected, you know, if someone, if we made the ballot first, the other campaign would fizzle out. And unfortunately that never happened. And things have really, you know, just kept going and it's it's been unfortunate. And, you know, the, 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 tragedy out of all this is the patients, um, are are facing, you know, the consequences here, and the, the patients are the ones that, that could really lose on election day. If, if these two initiatives both, you know, cause each other to fail.
2: Yeah, it, it really is maddening uh, to have to go through this. And other reports that I've uh, come across have uh, said this was up on weednews.co that uh, a million dollars of potential funding for issue seven uh, was lost when issue six wouldn't step aside. And uh, how has the fundraising been proceeding? And, and is that a major hit or, or are we going to be able to overcome that?
5: Yeah, that was a major hit. Um, You know, we're the the second poorest state in the nation, so it's it is difficult to raise money in Arkansas. There's a lot of competition right now. You know, this is a big election, so you know we've we've been largely a grassroots campaign. Um, You know, we've raised around $160,000, but a million-dollar donation would have been you know a a a major um, help for us moving forward. You know, TV ads and ad buys and you know getting out the vote. So you know, it's really frustrating that that issue six couldn't, you know, uh, you know, change, uh, you know, we disagree on some things, but they couldn't put those aside and come to work in the team. And, and that's really, you know, upsetting, but, you know, we're, we're trying to stay as positive as possible. We're, we're feeling good about this second lawsuit where, um, you know, we, we think that the court will side with us, that these are, you know, tiny clerical errors, not technical errors. Um, you know, the court's already ruled that, We do, in fact, have enough signatures that are uh, from registered voters, and we collected them from enough counties. So, you know, we've we've satisfied all those requirements. And so right now, you know, we're trying to get out the vote, educate as many people. We've got uh, folks on the ground across the state, and um, and things are going pretty good on the ground.
2: The other thing that uh, concerns me here is how this turns out after Election Day when you've got the issue six, which is a constitutional amendment, and the issue seven, which is a statutory act, if both of those should pass, which one goes into effect? Do parts of both of them go to effect? Does it matter who got more votes? Does uh, Amendment Trump act? I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but uh, uh, what do you see as far as the outcome if both should happen to get a passing vote?
5: Yeah, it's a great question. And, And you know, the short answer is no one really knows if they were both uh, constitutional initiatives or if they were both statutory initiatives, then the mo- one with the most votes would win and, and, and become law. But since we're an initiated act and the competing campaign is a constitutional amendment, um, you know, some think the ones with, uh, that, that they could be potentially reconciled with each other and that parts of ours that aren't prohibited under six could be interwoven um, with his. So, you know, it's, it's really unclear what's going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, if they both get more than 50% of the vote, It's probably going to end up in court for for quite a long time. And then patients, again, are the ones that that are going to suffer because, um, you know, the the decision needs to be made in court.
2: In 2012, when Arkansas tried uh, medical marijuana on the ballot, it just narrowly failed. I think it was something like 48 percent, maybe a little over that. Uh, Now, in this election uh, cycle, uh, are the voters uh, more on board with this? Is there good polling and are they getting some confusion because there's two initiatives on the ballot?
5: Yeah, another good, great question, Russ. So, yeah, in, in 2012, we were narrowly defeated on Election Day. It was 49 to 51, so, it was, you know, a very close vote. Um, you know, there's been polls that have, have been floating around to show, upwards of 80% of our candidates support the idea of medical cannabis. But when you look at the specifics with the two initiatives, we, we had a poll done by FM3, um, a bipartisan uh, polling coalition, and they found that uh, our, our initiative, Issue 7, polled uh, around 68%. And that that included, you know, explaining the details of the law with the Grow Your Own and everything, and then the issue six, the more big business marijuana initiative, was was polling um, in the upper fifties. So, you know, it, it really kind of illustrated that our Kansans support Grow Your Own, that our Kansans want cannabis uh, tested, and that is, you know, that that has to be tested for safety. Um, they, they support that there's 56 medical conditions versus 14. So, um, you know, the the polling looked great, but when you add two on the ballot you have the, you know, the splitting situation and, you know, the initial, the, the, the initial, uh, you know, uh, results showed that, uh, it would split the vote enough where both would fail. Um, but of course we're not going to let that happen. We're on the ground. We're working as hard as we can to, to get out the vote and make sure everyone knows number seven is the one to vote for.
2: I, I'm also curious. Uh, one of the things I think about when I think of Arkansas is Walmart, uh, headquartered there in Bentonville. Uh, is there any, uh, indication from this massive retailer one way or the other on these issues
5: there's really not you know they they don't i mean large corporate conglomerates don't uh you know usually get involved in things like this and i mean you know there's been maybe some small conversations with people who you know have um connections to walmart but nothing's ever really panned out and i would i would imagine they're probably going to stay um silent on the issue
2: Okay. And uh, details that we could uh, maybe go over as far as the amendment or the initiative goes uh, on how many plants people could cultivate, how many ounces they could possess, and is there reciprocity for other medical marijuana states?
5: So there, there is indeed reciprocity for other states. Um, un, under our, our campaign, Issue 7, we allow for patients to possess two and a half ounces every two weeks. Um, If you're more than 20 miles away from a dispensary, you can um, apply for a hardship cultivation license where you could grow five flowering plants and five non-flowering plants in an enclosed and locked location. Uh, We have 56 medical conditions. And we also have something that um, I don't think any other state has to to the degree that that we're proposing, but it's an affordability clause. And this allows low-income patients to be able to purchase medical cannabis at a a subsidized um, um, level on a discounted sliding scale. And that would be completely paid for by the program. The uh, the entirety of our sales tax would go back into the program, with with the hope that this won't cost taxpayers anything to run the program. Mm
2: great news on that and uh another thing i think about with uh, arkansas is your governor asa hutchinson a former head of the drug enforcement administration he's been uh vocal in his opposition to either of the initiatives how about the rest of the political establishment is is this uh something that's generating a lot of buzz uh in your uh, among your lawmakers
5: yeah, so, you know, we actually have the Arkansas State Democrats um, come out and endorse medical cannabis, and, that, and that's huge. You know, I've been in the state for, for 15 years, and to, to see a major party come out and do that, you know, really I think sent a strong message that, that things are changing here in Arkansas. Um, it, 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 however, seems that more of the conservative side is, is a little less uh, supportive right now. We have the State Chamber of Commerce. Um, they were part of the lawsuit, the, the first lawsuit that was just dismissed. Um, we have the State Farm Bureau Insurance. Um, They're also suing us on, on the first lawsuit. So, um, mm. it, you know, Governor Hutchinson who's like you said, a former DEA administrator for, for the entire country. Um, he kind of appointed our Surgeon General to really be opposing our campaign. And they actually brought down Kevin Sabet um, this week, uh, who spoke to, to a group of law enforcement officers so um, you know, I, I don't really think that their, their points are resonating with a lot of our I think a lot of our Kansans are, are, are waking up and they're kind of tired tired of the same you know drug war rhetoric. And, and you know, I think that um, when we get out there and we talk about the patient stories and the real Arkansans that really need medical cannabis and how it helps them, I think voters are, are smart enough and compassionate enough to to, uh, to see through that.
2: Ryan Denham is a spokesperson for Arkansas Compassion, and the Issue Seven uh, initiative is on the ballot there in. Arkansas, Make sure you pick seven, not six. Go with cannabis, not marijuana. Make the right choice. Ryan, thanks for joining us, and we appreciate all the work you guys are doing. Give folks uh, any contact info, websites, or anything they might need if they want more info.
5: Yeah, so website is ARcompassion.com. You can sign up to be a volunteer or make a donation, and we sure appreciate you having us on on the show again, Russ.
2: Oh, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to election night when I get to call Arkansas's Issue 7 a winner and we finally get some medical marijuana expanding in the South. Thanks, Ryan, and good luck.
5: Uh, All right. Thank you, Russ.
2: Well, folks, that's all the time we got for Hour 1, but stay tuned. Hour 2 is next. Toker Talk Radio. The phone lines are open at 650-534-2565. That's 650-LEGAL-MJ. We're going to talk about uh, a plan in New Jersey to regulate marijuana like cigarettes. Also, Stoners Against Legalization, main edition coming up. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Hour 2. And until that time, take care of each other, Tokers.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke
4: it. You take a seat, you plan it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a
0: seat, you plan it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, you it you're rolling, you're smoking, and it goes down smooth. We're locking up people
3: that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years.
1: And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint, radical, Russ Bellville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's time for Toker Talk
2: Radio. The phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ, 650-534-2565. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. I First of all, I messed up. I, I, didn't, I didn't turn on the recorder until halfway through hour one. <laughs> Doesn't affect you guys listening live any, but uh, it means after the end of the show, after I disconnect from you guys, i got to spend the next half hour re-recording everything that I said <laughs> in the first half hour. Uh just makes my Friday a little bit longer, but that's okay. We're doing it live, and that's the way it works. So I've been uh, pretty electrified these past three days by the uh, growing story over uh, Kevin Sabet from Project Sam violating Massachusetts drug laws in his uh, stunt at WGBH involving allegedly medicated gummy bears. And uh, I, I reported on this, and it's now starting to gain some traction in some other outlets. Marijuana.com has reported on it uh, pretty prominently and has some good update uh, a discussion with uh, Keith Saunders and Madeline Martinez uh, on their way to the testing laboratory to drop off the gummy bears to be tested. We got some other uh, updates as well because now... Raw Story has uh, picked up the incident. Their headline is stupid ass anti-weed activist brought pot edibles to legalization forum and lost them. This is great. Uh, and uh, the lead is a prominent anti-marijuana legalization activist not only violated Massachusetts law by bringing THC infused candy to a seminar about pot legalization, he then lost the drugs when someone pocketed the stash. Now, uh, Raw Story cites the Marijuana.com story, doesn't mention the fact that I broke this story, <sighs> but Marijuana.com does, so that's okay, I uh, get credit eventually. But uh, this is, uh, now that Raw Stories picked this up, this is going to get a whole lot more exposure because that takes us into more of the uh, mainstream political reporting. Than just marijuana.com or weednews.co, where it's going to be you and me, you know, weed supporters. The uh, story also uh, updates us by uh, saying Boston's Fox 25 has posted a video from the forum, from the security cameras there, that shows a man picking up the bags of candy and dropping them into a woman's carryall. And, uh, now Keith Saunders has said that there's has it was an anonymous person that picked him up and then gave them to Saunders. Others have looked at the video and said, no, that looks like Saunders picking up the candy. I haven't seen the video yet. I've just gotten this story and I haven't gotten to the, uh, the video, but, uh, let's see if we can, uh, pick this up from the Fox 25 affiliate there in Massachusetts. Let's see if we can get some volume on this. Here we go.
6: All right. After the debate at the Edward M. Kennedy Institute, a representative from a national group against legalizing pot left the candy on a desk, and the theft is all caught on tape. I've obtained the surveillance video after the debate ended. Watch for the arrow. You can see a man walk over to the desk where the gummies were left and pick them up and drop them into a woman's bag. The man walked over and briefly spoke to the campaign manager for the group in favor of legalizing marijuana. Then he left. Now, during the debate, Debate. The person who left them there had held up two bags of candy and asked the audience which one was infused with marijuana and which one wasn't.
2: This is a sig- significant public policy debate, and we're doing juvenile stuff like this. I don't know. I'm just, I, it just. It, I guess it doesn't surprise me.
6: I did reach out to the spokesman for the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. He tells us why is he even allowed to possess illegal items and why wasn't he responsible in his possession of them. At 11.30 tonight, we are taking a closer look at ballot question four, which seeks to legalize marijuana for adults. We'll be talking more in-depth with those who support legalization, and tomorrow we'll be speaking with those who oppose it. Sharman Cicchetti, Fox 25 News.
2: So the Fox affiliate in Boston is picking up on it now. And uh, I I did watch that video while we were listening. And um, it's kind of grainy because it's security footage video. You could make the case that it was Keith Saunders. And you could make the case that it wasn't. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Other uh, quotes here in the Raw Story uh, write-up of this says, um, talks to Keith Saunders, who says, quote, if he was telling the truth, one of those bags contains over an ounce of THC-laden product, which is above the decriminalization limit in Massachusetts. Sabat either had to procure them elsewhere and bring them into Massachusetts in violation of federal law, or he had to procure them illegally in Massachusetts. While we do have legal edibles for patients, he is not a Massachusetts resident, to my knowledge. Either he did that, or he offered a counterfeit substance, which itself is a crime in Massachusetts. He committed a crime one way or another. He thought he was being a smartass and showing off, but in reality, he was committing a crime. End quote. So uh, looking forward to more outlets picking this up and running with it and embarrassing the hell out of Kevin Sabet over this issue. Uh, What a stupid move. Couldn't have... uh, couldn't happen to a better guy. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a plan in New Jersey being offered up to regulate marijuana like cigarettes. Yeah, Chris Christie will go for that. Sure, he will. You're listening to Toker Talk Radio on the Russ Bellville Show, live on CannabisRadio.com from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. And pay some bills. We'll be right back. And later on in the hour, we'll talk about the Stoners Against Legalization Main Edition.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. be no crime. hemp ink is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap you know Money don't make itself. hemp Inc.
1: Get ready to hear something good about cannabis.
0: I give you
6: Jasmine Huff. Tell us a little bit about. Jasmine, give us the good news about how you've gotten to where you are today. Like all good children, I rejected my parents' values and and ran off to become a capitalist in New York City and did a lot of work with an organization called Women 2.0. Looking at the cannabis industry, I said, you know what? Here we have a brand new industry. It's going to be a billion-dollar industry And the rules of who leads this industry and who funds this industry haven't been written yet. Good
1: news. Only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Adrian,
4: I, I, I finished it. I got Adrian.
1: Okay. Maybe you're high, too. marijuana legalization is a
2: worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis business professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC's special guest speaker and Canadian native, Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com.
1: Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Rush Belleville Show on cannabisradio.com.
2: Welcome back everyone, 12 after the hour, and uh wanna talk a little bit about the uh, plan going on, this uh, proposal in New Jersey. For marijuana legalization. And the interesting thing about this. Is that. Most of the time when we're talking about legalization. The theme is treat marijuana like alcohol. Regulate marijuana like alcohol. Uh, This one though. Would regulate marijuana. Like cigarettes. So uh, one of the conditions here is that the uh, age for uh, marijuana consumption set in this bill being proposed for uh, New Jersey would be the same age as cigarette consumption in the state, the age of 19. Uh, And uh, uh, that's going to be an interesting battle uh, to fight. And it would be interesting because at the age of 19, there are still some people you know, they may have failed a grade or something or had one of them birthdays that's late in the year uh, of they, they could still be in high school. And and so that's going to be kind of a, a tough thing to sell to parents and and people that are reticent to want to legalize the idea that a 19 year old, somebody could be in high school, could be of legal age uh, to be able to get mar- marijuana and possess it uh we shall uh, we shall see how much of a battle this would be uh, the legislator who's uh, putting this together is State Assemblyman Michael Patrick Carroll and he says all the right things about legalization he says it makes more sense than you know the war on drugs uh, but he says to me it's just not a big deal. It's already ubiquitous. Anybody who thinks this is somehow going to increase the availability of marijuana has never been 19. It's interesting because, you know, all these pushes that we have to legalize marijuana have always focused on age 21, always focused on this treat marijuana like alcohol idea. Yet it is clear from decades of federal surveys that the greatest concentration of marijuana consumers by age runs from 18 to 25. And so with legalization at 21, you are automatically rejecting the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds who are adults, who are able to vote, are able to join the military and, and sign contracts and so forth. You are keeping them from being able to use cannabis legally. And at that age, it would be a great time to get them Choosing the safer substance than choosing alcohol by keeping the age at 21 for both of those substances, then we're kind of putting them on a level playing field. And, and I think that the age for cannabis ought to be lower than the age for alcohol, you know, in a sense to incentivize the idea that if you're going to do something, you're going to take some sort of substance. Let's let's get you on the one that's safer. Let's get you on the one that's got uh, less harm to self and society. Now, the bill would allow retailers to sell marijuana to anyone over the age of 19. That's the cigarette age. And would not include any amounts uh, or any limits on possession. So not only are we going to go for age 19 in New Jersey, we're going to go with unlimited possession. And uh, it also includes uh, expungement for past offenses. Well, folks, uh, I'm I, I'm in support of this, of course. Yeah, let's make it age 19. Let's make it uh, uh, unlimited possession. But New Jersey, you're going to try to pull this in New Jersey. This would be a tough sell in Oregon. This would be a tough sell in Vermont or Colorado, places, Rhode Island, places that have a great deal of cannabis culture and experience. And you want to try to pull this in New Jersey? Well, folks, it ain't going to happen. As long as Governor Chris Christie sits in the, in the governor's mansion, it ain't going to happen. He has vowed to veto any bill that would decrim or legalize marijuana. And uh, the only thing that provides hope here is the fact that Chris Christie is in his second term. And New Jersey has a term limit that forbids someone from serving more than two consecutive terms. So in 2017, he can't run again for re-election. Now, uh, this is not the only bill floating around in New Jersey with the idea of reforming marijuana laws. There's a second bill. Uh, This bill uh, is by Assemblyman Reed Gaskora. Gaskiora? Gashora? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. This one's more of a regulate marijuana-like alcohol. Uh, It'd be sold in liquor stores to people over the age of 21, something more akin to the legalizations that have already passed. Now, the uh, third bill that is being proposed... Is one that wouldn't legalize in New Jersey, but only in Atlantic City. Now, Atlantic City, of course, uh, known for its casinos and boardwalk, has been going through tough economic times. Used to be that there was only two real gambling meccas in America: Las Vegas and Atlantic City, and that you know held some allure. But since gambling, casino gambling, has now spread to Indian casinos, riverboat casinos, and so forth, the allure of Atlantic City has diminished. There's not really a good reason to go there when you can go to Foxwoods. You can go to all these other places in Connecticut, New York, that are run by uh, Indian tribes. So Atlantic City has been struggling financially, and this bill, the idea would be, once again, to turn Atlantic City into a kind of a mecca. In this case, though, a mecca for legal pot use. Now, again, I, I can always uh, support reforms and marijuana laws, but looking at this Atlantic City bill, it seems, it seems like uh, it wouldn't be very practical. See, the idea that you could uh, go to some city like Atlantic City as a vacation destination and gamble for fun, that's something that seems appealing, but the idea that You would go there just because it's the only place You could smoke pot Well I can see a lot of possible Unintended consequences like Are you in the city limits or not Uh, Are you outside the incorporated city limits Uh, It just seems like Let's just legalize the entire state Rather than city by city I think that makes a whole lot more sense
1: Because I'm good enough
2: i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me thank you senator that sound means it's 420 here in the pacific time zone that means we've got to take our union mandated safety meeting i've been feeling a little dangerous lately not as dangerous as carlos danger you've seen the latest on anthony Weiner? my goodness (laughs) some people's names are just too appropriate aren't they
3: We're back in just two minutes. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network.
2: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orangehilldevelopment.com.
1: NORMAL stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks. Even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: The
5: Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment.
1: Okay, maybe you're high too.
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
1: Warning, it's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody.
2: Another... Quick little update on this Sabet gummy, uh, this Sabet gummy gate that we've been covering. In the uh, Fox 25 story, there's, uh, this is Fox 25,
3: where is this? Where is it?
2: Okay, here we go. Um, Fox 25 political reporter. Obtained video of the theft. Uh, The debate was at the Edward N. Kennedy Institute. Man picks up the gummies, etc. Here's the important quote. The gummy bears, which did not actually contain marijuana, according to the anti-pot legalization group, had been used as a visual aid to show that commercial gummies and those made with cannabis are indistinguishable. So um, we have confirmation then. We have confirmation from Project Sam that on Wednesday, on television, in the debate regarding an initiative to legalize marijuana in Massachusetts, Kevin Sabet used a prop of two bags of candy and lied about one of them containing THC, lied twice about one of them containing THC now in Massachusetts that's a crime when you uh, present a substance that's not a drug and you claim that it is a drug that's called a counterfeit substance crime and there are criminal penalties that include incarceration for that type of crime and um, the uh, the other part of course aside from any crime that might have been committed is the intellectual dishonesty of that stunt. In that stunt, he was he was, uh, he was trying to challenge the audience to look at the two bags. And again, we're talking about two clear plastic bags, not original packaging, no labeling, like is required by law in Colorado and Oregon and Washington and soon in Alaska. Nope, just two clear plastic baggies, one with gummies, one with another candy in it, and challenge the audience to determine which one of them had the THC and which one of them didn't. Well, if neither one of them had the THC in it, then what Sabet was doing was, well, a fraud. He was committing a fraud during the debate. Nobody could possibly tell them apart because neither of them had THC in it. So uh this is where it's come to. And and people are reacting to this. This is this is going to this is really going to take hold, I think, and, and it's going to as if Kevin Sabet's credibility and integrity hadn't already been called into question numerous times over the past four years, this one may be the one that really, really sinks him. Because now he's seen as an opportunist. Now he's seen as a propagandizer. Now he's seen as someone who's willing to say anything or do anything to promote his agenda. Uh, State Senator Vinny DeMacedo, Vinny DeMacedo, I think is his name, uh, reacted this way. He said, quote, this is a significant public policy debate and we're doing juvenile stuff like this? I don't know, I guess it doesn't surprise me. End quote. Juvenile, a juvenile stunt like this. So so already not an accurate uh uh presentation given that now the law in Colorado forbids medicated gummy bears. You can't make candies with THC in them that have colors. Or shapes, animal shapes, uh, human shapes that are appealing to kids. The gummy bears he had in that plastic bag could not have been THC gummy bears purchased in Colorado recently. Because you couldn't get those kind. So it's already an improper uh, demonstration by that regard. It's also an improper demonstration, a fraudulent demonstration, by having him in a clear plastic baggie when that's not the way they'd, they'd come in Colorado or any of the other states. But now we have the confirmation from Project Sam itself that Kevin Sabet was blatantly, bold-facingly lying twice in an attempt to scare people about gummy bears. So, very excited about this. Very excited about mainstream media picking this up. And I keep refreshing my news feed to see if any others are uh, repackaging the story. But uh, I think that's it so far. So far that we've gotten out of the news. Uh, So, Raw Story, uh, Boston's Fox affiliate, and Marijuana.com have picked up on it so far. Very excited. All right, let me get to... um, another story real quick. And that is another one of these stupid stoner stories. I'm not going to go with the theme or anything for this one. And it's a story coming out of THV 11 in Arkansas. We've been doing a lot of Arkansas today. Let me run the feed for you and we'll discuss the story after.
1: let so can get this loaded.
4: This is some shocking video out of North Little Rock, what is believed to be marijuana.
1: And the child's uncle posted the video on Facebook and has been arrested. v 11s Erica Ferrando has the story.
4: North Little Rock police originally found the disturbing video while investigating 17-year-old Lamel Yancey for an unrelated burglary charge. The investigator happened to come across the video showing Yancey giving what he referred to as weed to his three-year-old nephew.
3: Weed. Yeah, weed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. yeah,
4: This three-year-old seen taking what's referred to as weed in the video and smoking it.
3: Get the blow on my town. Uh, yeah. Hey, 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 oh no, that's enough,
4: baby. This 11 minute long video shows the toddler's uncle Lamel Yancey giving it to him to smoke. This child holds this like someone is would be smoking. And so, you know, it makes you think this is not the first time that this child has been exposed to this. The investigation started September 1st when an off duty officer happened to come across the video on Facebook while looking for burglary suspects. Yancey hands the child the suspected marijuana and puts it in his mouth. This is where the child actually starts smoking it. North Little Rock police arrested Yancey earlier this week. He's being charged as an adult for endangering the welfare of a minor. He's being held at the Pulaski County Jail on a $2,500 bond. Definitely just disturbed, appalled. Uh, by what I what I'd seen, the child was taken into custody by DHS, who took him to Children's Hospital for a hair follicle test to see if drugs were in his system. Those results can't be released. That child has no control, doesn't know, you know what what he's doing. The child's mother, seen here, you can hear the mother make a comment in there one time, saying, uh, "Don't let him have that." Police say the child, under custody of his grandmother, was returned to his grandmother a few days after DHS took him.
3: Oh, he D-
4: <laughs> now DHS is continuing to investigate. Yancey is scheduled for a court appearance November 11th.
2: Yeah, so yet another one of these stories. We get one every couple of weeks or month or so. Where somebody not only does the stupid thing of encouraging a young child, a toddler, to smoke pot. That's that's bad enough. But then to film it, <laughs> to video it, and put it on Facebook. So there's like extra special levels of stupid involved in this story. I don't think anyone should ever go to jail or be prosecuted for their use of marijuana. But that's for their use of marijuana. That's for their use as a cognizant adult capable of making rational decisions. A three-year-old does not have that ability to choose to smoke pot. And even if he does choose to do it, even if he isn't enticed to do it, he doesn't have the age of majority, doesn't have the, the wherewithal to make that decision. It's just wrong. And so if he's punished for that, if he's punished for that, I don't necessarily have too much of a problem with it. Now, it's not as if, not as if he was beating the child, right? The, the harm to the child from the marijuana smoking is going to be negligible at best. But uh, still, it's a stupid move. It should be condemned, and he's got to face some sort of punishment for this. All right, we got to take a break. I got to catch up on some quick, some quick other stories. Chat room asks, I started consuming at age eight. Is that OK? Um, no, it's not OK. <laughs> it's not OK for kids to be smoking pot. But I wouldn't arrest the kid for it. I wouldn't punish the kid for it. The adult that supplies it to him. Yeah, that's a problem.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Growing green to generate more green talking with multi-cup award winner Maya Elizabeth. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. I've always followed Whoopi and I think she's
2: fantastic. I've followed her advocacy over the years. Tell me a little bit how you think Partnering with a mainstream, high-profile figure actually benefits the cannabis
5: community as a whole.
6: I have infinite respect
0: for Whoopi Goldberg.
6: I wouldn't just partner with any into that kind of thing. I'm into cannabis medicine, and I'm into making quality products
4: that people can find relief from. So to hear that her vision was actually the same, it's been
0: beyond a dream to manifest.
1: The Grow
3: Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show. Annoying Kevin Sabet since 2012.
2: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at FingerboardExtension.com.
1: Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from DanMichaelsAudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 37 after
2: the hour, we continue our preview of the upcoming Marijuana Election Night 2016. Tuesday, November 8th, coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, with six hours of coverage for all the states voting on marijuana reform, time zone by time zone, as the polls close, we will bring you the latest election returns. You'll learn first on cannabisradio.com which states have joined the march toward cannabis freedom, and one of those states that has an initiative on the ballot is Montana. We spoke earlier uh, with Jeff Kraus; he was the uh, he's the campaign uh, treasurer. For initiative 182, this is the initiative to restore Montana's medical marijuana program, uh, to establish dispensaries, etc. Just basically to fix what the legislature messed up in 2011. Well, we've got an update coming out of Montana where uh, the commissioner of Pub political practices is investigating the opponents of 182 an anti-medical marijuana group called Safe Montana for possible campaign finance violations. The commissioner says he's cleared his docket so he can dedicate all his resources to the anti-marijuana troops. Uh, Krauss says, quote, they were three weeks late filing their campaign report and it pushed me over the edge. I'm saying timeliness matters and transparency matters, end quote. Now, Safe Montana is backed by Steve Zabawa, Steve Zabawa is a a wealthy car dealership owner in Montana who is almost 100 percent responsible for the funding for safe Montana poured tens of thousands of dollars into his opposition and was backing a marijuana prohibition initiative. He was backing an initiative that would have set Montana's marijuana laws to match federal laws. And abolish all medical marijuana in Montana. Now, he failed to get enough signatures to get on the ballot, thankfully enough. But now he's turned his uh, attention 100% to defeating Initiative 182 through this Safe Montana. Now, uh, I-182 already has four elections complaints against Safe Montana. And now we've got this investigation from the state on their campaign finance. Zabawa says, quote, even if we're late, we are still being fully transparent. Everything is there for anybody to review, end quote. Well, yeah, see, you don't just get to dismiss it like that. The campaign finance rules have timelines and deadlines that you have to abide by as well. So aside from that complaint, there's three other complaints. One is failure to disclose spending on billboards. And, uh, they say, uh, that, that, that that's against the rules and it needs to be punished. And there are still two other, uh, complaints out there as well. So the, uh, uh, Investigators are looking at all the claims. Uh, the commissioner says, quote, we'll try to get a prompt decision out and it will assess what safe Montana has done. If there are any violations, it will state those and it will also direct safe Montana as to what it has to do for the remainder of the election cycle. Most likely uh, would end in fines at worse. So there you go. It's, it's always telling to me. When our opponents, who who like to paint themselves as the law and order crowd, like to presume that we cannabis consumers are promoting anarchy and can't follow the rules, when in truth, we're the ones who want the rules. We're the ones who want the laws. We want the regulation. And it seems we're the ones that actually follow the laws when it comes to campaign finance reporting. These opponents that usually are made up of law enforcement and drug rehabs and drug testers, all these uh, prohibition Puritans out there usually have their act together a little better than this. But but many times they uh, they get this uh, arrogance. They have this hubris. You know, they they just kind of feel like uh, the system works for them. And they're above it, and the rules are for the little guys, for those dirty potheads, not for them. Well, not this time, guys. Not this time. Now, looking at another state and another issue that uh, gets me riled up, Maine Public Radio has uh, issued a story called High Stakes, Why some pot advocates oppose question one. Question one, of course, being their legalization initiative in the state of Maine. Now, as these initiatives go, if you are a fan of marijuana legalization, of the five that are on the ballot this year and the four states that have already passed, Maine is the superior initiative. Every other state only allows you to possess an ounce. Maine's going to let you possess two and a half. Almost all the other states only let you grow four or six plants. Maine's going to let you grow six mature plants, 12 immature plants, and an unlimited number of seedlings. The currently legal states don't have recognized pot lounges. The other four states voting on it have all these uh, clauses that say maybe, might, will, perhaps have pot lounges. Maine, explicit pot lounge licensing. So Maine's looking really good if you're a fan of marijuana legalization. But even with that, even with the expansive possession and expansive cultivation and, and it, it, Maine's also got some protections for some of our rights. I forget which ones, but like, you know, child custody, organ transplant, that kind of stuff. Even with all that, even with it being the best of the legalizations, you knew there just had to be some stoners against legalization up there in Maine. For whom this would not be good enough. So what they got the concern here uh, is pretty obvious for those of you who followed this phenomenon over the past six years. And it's the simple case of I Got's Mine. Maine, of course, is one of the medical marijuana states. And the first paragraph of the Maine public radio story Talks about the worry some have about the effect legalization will have on the state's medical marijuana program and, the important part, the mom-and-pop economy it has created. There's 3,000 caregivers, eight dispensaries, and 24,000 patients in Maine. And the folks involved in that little cottage industry like things just the way they are. And I tell you, it just gets maddening to have to cover state after state after state where the minority of cannabis consumers who have been segregated from the potential of incarceration and having their lives ruined over their use because of their health conditions, that segregated separate but equal group then stands up to want to try to oppose us receiving the same protection from us joining the same special club of people that don't have to worry about cops taking them to jail over weed. Every year, every state, every initiative, I have to deal with this. I just get madder and madder and madder. This idea that this mom and pop economy evolved out of prohibition and should be protected at all costs, including the cost of delaying justice and freedom to the majority of cannabis consumers is just an untenable position. And it, it's, it's an immoral position. Now, it's not that I hate growers. It's not that I... Hate families that have been generations of cannabis farmers, and that's how they put food on the table and so forth. I don't. I'm, I'm pro small business. I'm pro small farmer. I'm pro uh, local entrepreneurship, all that kind of stuff. However, there needs to be a recognition. There needs to be a recognition by the people involved in the medical marijuana. Uh, business or the illegal marijuana business there needs to be a recognition that the only thing keeping that model in working order is the prohibition that costs marijuana consumers their freedom their pets their kids sometimes their life so this idea that we need to go to Extraordinary lengths to protect a system propped up by the misery inherent in Prohibition profit is not anything I can get behind. Now, I'm willing to entertain policy options that keep the barriers to entry low for the small farmer, that provide avenues for them to be able to compete in the newly legal marketplace. Absolutely. That's why I thought the idea of delaying mega grows in the amendments they put in Prop 64 was a good idea. Let's let the little guys get, get a leg up for a while. But we're also going to have to recognize that no matter what efforts we go to, no matter how what lengths we try to go to, we're never going to completely protect all of the people that are involved in the market the way it is because the the massive change, the wholesale paradigm shift that will occur moving from a a artificially inflated prohibition price structure to a market driven economy of scale sort of price structure is going to displace people. It's just going to happen. There's. It wouldn't matter what initiative you pass to legalize. It's going to happen. There's going to be displacement. There's going to be small pot farmers who aren't very good businessmen or women who, without that uh, crutch of prohibition profit, aren't going to be able to make the books balance, aren't going to be able to succeed in this business world. And that's okay. That's That's the evolution of economies. I mean, I'll bet there was a whole bunch of families that for generations put them, put their kids to school and fed them and and paid the bills. Over in the economy evolved around horses as transportation, guys that made horseshoes, guys that, you know, ran uh, stables and so forth. And a lot of those people were displaced when the automobile was invented and horses ceased to be used for transportation. You didn't have the buggy whip manufacturers and the saddle manufacturers lobbying to ban car manufacturing to protect their business interests. We recognize that things change and people need to change with them. And that's going to happen with marijuana. All right, stay tuned. We're back. In just a couple of minutes, we'll close up shop and get you ready for the weekend.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time the cannabis radio network
4: play is ted growing expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town only on weed firm replanted available on the app store and google play
2: it's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town
4: Georgia.
0: Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol
1: prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do.
4: For more information, contact NORML, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at NORML.org.
1: The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business,
2: you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
1: Norbin. <laughs> You're tuned into the Rush Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, all right, all right. Wrapping things up here on this beautiful Friday, reminding you that tomorrow and Sunday, this weekend, Portland Hemp Stock is happening at the Tom McCall Waterfront Park. I'll be there tomorrow night, Saturday night, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., manning the Portland Normal booth. If you're down there, you won't miss it. You'll, You'll see the Portland Normal booth. And I'll be there. So stop on by. We'll say hi. Winding up this uh, stoners against legalization up in Maine story. One, uh, one of the people they talk to who's an opponent is worried that there'll be more regulations, more government scrutiny, higher licensing fees, and higher prices for pot. Here's... When I read these concerns by these stoners against legalization, I keep waiting for one. I just please just give me one that has some basis in historical fact. Show me any of the states that have passed medical or legal marijuana that have seen the prices increase and stay that. Stay at that level. Now, Washington, when they first legalized, yes, the prices went up because there was a supply problem. But now, prices in Washington State, lowest in the nation. Here in Oregon, lowest in the nation. Legalization is not going to raise the prices of your cannabis, folks. It can only lower it by increasing the supply and increasing the outlets for access. Here's another one. Um... A person who says, uh, "Where is this? I've got to find that other quote. Okay, so this this guy uh, says, okay, this is um, Hillary Lister, this woman who says she's an advocate for medical cannabis for over a decade. She says, quote, I would not consider it legalization in any sense of the word. Any criminal penalties that are currently in place right now will still be in place if question one passes, end quote. <laughs> So here's that, here's that, uh, if, if there remains any punishment for marijuana, don't remove any punishment for marijuana. (laughs) Right? If we can't get rid of all the marijuana crimes, don't get rid of any marijuana crime. Well, first of all, she's inaccurate in the fact that any criminal penalties in place would still be in place. No, the criminal penalty for the cultivation, the criminal penalty for the possession, the criminal penalty for the selling, the criminal penalty for the cultivation for sale, those criminal penalties go away under the licensing and limits established by question one. Yes, there still will remain penalties for, oh, I don't know, cultivating an unlicensed farm of 20,000 plants, sure. But there's criminal penalties for the unlicensed production of beer. There's criminal penalties for all sorts of things that people generally consider to be legal this immature juvenile unnuanced belief that marijuana legalization means no laws on marijuana whatsoever no penalties whatsoever is a fool's errand it's ridiculous we've got another one don christen who's apparently uh Maine's best-known pot activist, says, quote, in all actuality, it says legalize marijuana, and I love that, but it doesn't. It just doesn't, and it's chicanery. It's a lie. Why Why does he say it's a lie? Why, why is it chicanery? He won't support it because it doesn't allow people like him to expunge their felony convictions for growing pot. Right, okay, so... It doesn't include expungement for your felonies. So pass question one, and then for your next initiative, try and get something that does expungements. These people seem to have this idea that when you legalize, it happens all in one fell swoop. And if you don't put the whole, everything in the kitchen sink into this one initiative, then it'll never happen. It'll never come to pass. Folks, that's not the way change happens in this country. We build on incremental successes. These are the kind of people that would have said we had to reject the Emancipation Proclamation because freeing the slaves didn't also include interracial marriage and didn't also include the Civil Rights Act of 1965 didn't also include affirmative action, whatever else. Nope, nope. Let's just keep being slaves because the Emancipation Proclamation isn't true freedom, isn't true equality. Madness. Madness. And and what really bothers me is that people like that, these stoners against legalization, give the rest of us a bad name by giving these public views of irrational, tinfoil-ass hattery, the stamp of being cannabis activists, of being reformers, and painting us all with this silliness. God, can't wait till we get so much legalization happening in this country that those people have no voice anymore. Folks, that's all the time we got for this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with more news, views, and interviews you can use for the cannabis community. I'm Radical Russ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, we'll see you next time. And until then,
1: take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. Yeah, you take a seat,
4: you it, you it, you it, you roll it, you score it, yeah. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you are it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. To-